Good morning, Woodland Life Center. We are so glad you've come to join us in worship today. I want to invite all of you to stand together. We're going to sing of God's love for us together. Let's sing.
right, this next song, we need your clappers. So clap with me if you want to. You know this song. up ahead, it's water falling like a song, an everlasting stream, your river carries me home, let it flow, let it flow. my soul, a well that never will run dry. I've rambled on my own, never believing I would find. An everlasting stream, your river carries me home. Let it flow, let it flow. Rain down on us, rain. 
may be seated. Good morning, everyone. How are we today? Isn't it a beautiful day? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I have lots going on up here, so I appreciate your patience. Um, we have, I'm so glad to see all my kids here. You make me so excited. Hi, kids. How are we? Good. Okay. All right. All right, well, today is, along with lots of other fun things today, is Promotion Sunday. And we actually started this last year where we uh, recognized kids going into the uh, next group. I'm Mackenzie, by the way. (laughs) Hi. Um, Hello, Jackson. Um, (laughs) Thanks. Um, And so normally what we do is we um, recognize the kids who are moving up into the next class, but because, praise Jesus, we are actually starting a fourth class um, which we're super excited about because our kids, can I tell you, and if, if you feel led to hoop and holler, I think that'd be awesome. But we are up to, should we do a drum roll? Because I'm too excited. Let's just do a drum roll. We are up to 61 regular attender children in our church. Yeah, like how awesome is that? So we have 16 beautiful children in our nursery. We have for sure 10 in our pre-K class, so they are the new four- and five-year-old class. We have our new class, where we're kind of splitting them up a little bit more. Um, Our kindergarten through second-grade class, we have 14 regular attenders there. And then for our third through fifth grade, we have 22. Yeah, so awesome, awesome. Woo, I'm just excited. Okay, so what I'm going to do is um, the nursery kiddos are still in the nursery, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, kind of skip, skip them because they're having fun with Miss Lisa in the nursery. So the ones that we're actually going to recognize today, we're going to recognize all of our kiddos so that way you know who they are and you can see their faces um, and you can be praying for them because as you know, our, well, we all need prayed for, but our kiddos, as they grow up and as they're adjusting to their different adventures and seasons that they go through, um, they definitely need prayer and for their families. And so I'm going to do each one, one at a time, um, each group one at a time. So if that being said, can I have all my four and five-year-old kids, all my four and five-year-old, can I still say buckaroos? I'm kind of still in BBS mode here. So all my four and five-year-old buckaroos, can you guys come up for me? Should we give them a round of applause? I think that's awesome. And I'm going to, I know some of them are not feeling well today, so um, I'm going to name all of them. So I'm going to name some of the ones who aren't here, so that way you know who they are. So Mr. Jack Cole, he's not here today. Olivia Olivia Dytham, she's new with us. We have Miss Lakeland Elzis. There you go, sweet girl. We have, oh yes, sure. Let's do it. We have Miss Jordan Gibson. There you go. We have Davis Lawrence, who's not able to be here today. We have Mr. Eli Magistrelli. We have Eliza Pfeiffer, who's not here. We have Haven Shunko, who's not here today. We have Adeline Summerall, 
who can't be here today. And then we have Henry White. There you are. And then if I could have um, Miss um, Christie come up. I'm also recognizing our teachers who want to be recognized. I love recognizing our volunteers because honestly, we could have we could have 100 kids. We could have 200 kids, but if we don't have our volunteers to help out, I, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So we have Miss Christy Shawcroft here. I also get to be in their classroom about once a month. And then um, Beth Levy is also part of um, this team. So, okay, thanks, guys. All right, can I get my kindergarten through second grade? Kindergarten through second graders, you big kids, you. Oh, yes, let's give them a round of applause. Because it's fun. You're going to be all clapped out. Yeah, we can't be all clapped out. We got more cool stuff later today. Okay, how are we, guys? Are we good? Yeah, you look amazing. Okay. All right, I have Mr. Sammy Allison. Go. I have Mr. Asher Blevins. I have Miss Destiny Borez, who can't be with us today. And Mr. Sam Cole, who can't be with us today. I have Miss Brielle Eicher. Caitlin Fisher, who can't be with us today. Miss Reagan Gibson. Mr. Xander Gilmore. I don't think he's here. Elsa Lawrence, who can't be here today. Miss J. Daria Miller. Mr. Mason Miller. And I have Emily, uh, sorry, Emmy, Emmy Pfeiffer. Emmy Pfeiffer, sorry. Uh, Seth Summerall. And uh, Miss Madison Taya, I think if I'm spelling her name correctly, pronouncing her name correctly. Um, So with these kiddos, their teachers are Miss Candy Gilmore, if she wants to come up, and Liz Eicher. And myself, I am so blessed that I get to have fun being with the kids, too. So if we can give them a round of applause. Okay, awesome. Okay. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. All right, you big kids, third through fifth grade. Come on on up, you amazing young people. Yeah. My big, big kid leaders. Super proud of them. They're always such great helpers. All right. Do you guys, um, can, Connor, can you come over here, bud? I'm going to scoot down. That way you can move you girls up here. Here? Yeah, I can kind of crowd in. Sure thing. All right. So this is where my big class, our 22 kiddos are at. All right, so I have Mr. Micah Allison. 
Jackson Blevins, not here. Miss Roslyn Lynch. Honor Dennis. Miss Emma Devitt Dennis. Sorry. Liam's not here today. We have Miss Lily Gantz. Madeline Gantz. Rylan Gibson. LJ Hendricks. Elliot Larson's not here today. Camelia wasn't able to be here today. Camelia Lindbergh. Isaac Magistrelli. Nakota Miller. Miss Serene Miller. Isaiah Pfeiffer and Sierra Poe cannot be here today. Also, Bella Strauss. I need another arm. Zach Summerall can't be here today. Miss Olivia Troxel. Solomon Wilson couldn't be here today. And then is it? Okay, and Trinity Vigil. She's new to our church family. All right, awesome. And then can I have uh, Mr. John Bartlett and Miss Sarah Troxel? And if Cindy Welsh is here, if you could come up. I don't know if I saw her or not. So all four of us get to have fun being with the big kids. So thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. You can go sit down. Awesome. Um, I will have, um, I'm part of the booth. Pastor Scott and I share in a booth over here. If you'd like to learn more on the exciting things our kids ministry does, please feel free to come over. And also, um, as you can see, because we're growing, we're also needing um, more help. So if you feel led to help with the kids in any way, please let us know. And also, I have an amazing team behind the scenes who helps with um, cleaning of toys and the nursery, helps um, with snacks to keep our kids' budget down, and lots of other fun, fun things. So come see us over at the booth. I'll take blue. This is on. Hey, could I get my sixth graders? Come on up here. Come on down. You know who you are. Yeah. Welcome them as they come. Now, these guys, these guys have come on all the way up on stage. You can do it. These guys have been unofficially welcomed already this summer during our all-nighter. Um, hazing, I mean, initiated by the long-standing tradition of kidnapping these guys from their homes. I think most of these guys were. Um, and, yeah, so we're going to welcome these guys. Is Hunter Blevins in the house? Hunter's not here. Okay. We have a Rob. Robbie Gantz here is not here today. We have a big list. Um, that have either come, oh, he's coming down. Let's welcome him as he comes. Might not have got all the grades right, but these guys are being welcomed into the youth group, so we want to welcome them. Um, Kaylee Geffrey's not, is here. Give a round of applause for Kaylee. 
Noah, Noah Magistrelli. Give a round of applause. And you're new to me, my man. What's your name? Kylan Smith. Oh, wait. We got you here. Give a round of applause for Kylan Smith. And last but not least, the Zephaniah Prophet. Give a round of applause for these guys. Go ahead and take your seat. Thank you, guys. Come on out to the youth group. Uh, I don't have anybody to promote today, but we do want to uh, move and keep our worship time going with uh, our ushers. If they'll join us up front, we want to take some time to bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord and... If you're a visitor here, um, uh, our, our, our time of giving is, is something that we do as a, as a worship offering. Um, we don't pay dues here, uh, so you're not expected to give, uh, but we encourage it. It's what a blessing it is to be able to participate in the kingdom work that, that is happening in the Teller County area. Uh, let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for the blessing of our children and uh, the amazing things that are happening up the hallway in ministry with our kids. We thank you in general for your provision for our lives, for our families, for our church family as a whole. And we bring our tithes and our offerings to you we simply ask that you take what we have to bring to you today, use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it, build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Hi, church family, Terry Miller here, and I wanted to let you know about an exciting event we've got coming up. On Saturday, September 14th, we will be doing a Zuni Missions fundraiser garage sale. Not really in a garage. The event will actually be in um, the basement, the lower ground floor portion of True Life Medicine, um, just off of Baldwin Street. And again, that will be Saturday, September 14th from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. And what we're going to be doing is trying to raise some funds with all the amazing donations to help kids um, go again next summer for our mission trip and then to just benefit the Zuni people while we're there. So we would love for you to please come on out and um, do a little shopping. And if not, make a little donation to the Zuni missions for the Native American Zuni people. And we hope to see you there Saturday, September 14th. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah, okay. So please make note of that really important stuff happening um, with our ministry to the Zuni Nation. Pretty awesome. Hey, we've got some other things going on. So kiddos, if, if you haven't done so yet, you want to bring your offering up here, then head out with Miss McKenzie. She's got great stuff for you up the hallway. But for those of us that are going to linger in here, let me just mention, right after this morning's service, uh, we've got uh, a ministry fair that's happening. We've got first responders that will be joining us around 1045 to 11. 
we're going to say a special thank you to them. They're bringing their, their vehicles here, their trucks and ambulances and things like that so our kids can kind of play on the trucks and hang out with our first responders. We've got a, uh, a picnic that we're going to have together, so we're grilling up some burgers and some dogs and things like that. Everybody's invited and welcomed, and we really hope that you plan on staying to celebrate all of that that's going on. One of the things that we're celebrating as well is our fall ministry. So these tables that are set up on the ends of the building here um, are going to reflect some of the small groups that we will have uh, beginning this week or on into next week. And we would really encourage you to take some time to just sniff everything out around here at these tables because there's probably an area, a group uh, that you could find a home in. And I know that there are several that aren't, several leaders that aren't able to be here today to represent what they're doing, but I think we're upwards of 25 small groups that we're offering this fall, which is an amazing thing. So there's plenty of room for you to find a, a group to connect in with. Um, a couple of things that I want to point out in particular. At the back corner over there at that table is RE23. Now that's the ministry that we began talking about in the spring. It's a discipleship ministry that we have, we launched, we kind of launched in the spring, um, but we're really pushing to get this thing up and going this fall. RE23 is our discipleship ministry, and it's, it's basically one-on-one -on -one discipleship ministry. Um, what we're hoping for is that most folks in this church family will be involved on one side of the other on, in discipling someone. So maybe, um, maybe you are uh, quite mature in your faith and feel like you could pass some of that on to someone. You would be a great discipler. Maybe you're feeling a little bit young in the faith and would like to have a mentor, uh, someone that could come alongside of you and, and help build up your faith. You would like to have somebody disciple you. Um, or both and. Um, the truth is, no matter where we're at in our journey, we need somebody ministering to us, and we should be getting ourselves into a place where we're ministering to others. So we feel like this is a great setup to get everybody uh, involved in discipleship ministry on some level. I would encourage us all to try to make our way to that back corner. We've got a few sign-up lists there because we're trying to keep track of who's doing what. Some, we know, are already involved discipling one or two or, or, or three. Um, and then some of you are doing that, and we're just not aware of it. And we'd love to uh, have record of that and, and, and just kind of keep tabs of, of who's doing what. So we, we'd really like for you to connect with that table in particular today and help us get our list as thorough as possible. So it's right back there in that back corner, and Mr. Larry King... Yes, the one and only Larry King. Um, you didn't wear your suspenders today, so that's all right. But he will, he's the one overseeing our RE23 ministry. By the way, if you're wondering what RE23 stands for, it comes out of uh, Matthew chapter 10 where it says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be also. So that's the 23. And the RE is just referring to uh, revisioning and rethinking discipleship. Um, and ultimately a revolution in discipleship here, okay? So 
back there in that corner. Please check in with that. One last thing. Every single table has a list that looks like this. And this is essentially a volunteer opportunity list. Uh, We've tried to make everyone aware of the opportunities that there are to serve. Um, I know that uh, we have some new folks in our church family, and they've, they've been asking, you know, where can I get plugged in? Where can I serve? This is a great opportunity for you to kind of take a peek at the list. And if there's an area that you do find interesting, the other part to the list is some fill-in-the-blanks here, okay? Every single one of these tables has a copy of these, so you can go to any one of those tables and connect in with that, all right? Thank you all so much. And when our first responders get here, like I said, between 1045 and 11, they're going to kind of filter into these back seats that we've um, had reserved, and then we're going to honor them at the end of the service. So I want to dig into some preaching now, and then we're going to sing some more later. Uh, Last week, we dug into the genealogy of Jesus, and um, I had a lot of uh, commentary and and questions about that, and um, there was um, some that that really wanted us to kind of dig in a little deeper and explore some of the stories inside of the genealogy. So we're going to do genealogy part two today. We're going to spend a little more time digging into what I referred to last week as the mess of Jesus' genealogy. We're kind of going to dig into that mess a little bit. So let's take a peek at Matthew chapter 1 again. I'm not going to read all the way through the list like I did last week, but if you have your Bible, turn to that so you have access reference to that, and then we'll also have it up on the screen. And as we saw last week... The genealogy is basically broken down into three different sections. So again, if we use this center section of the stage here as as the timeline in history where the cross happens, all of the genealogy, of course, is going to happen in this time frame leading up to Jesus' arrival here on earth. The first section reflects what we refer to as the patriarchs, okay? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Joseph and his brothers, which includes Judah. That's the patriarch's phase of the genealogy of Jesus. And yes, Abraham is the father of faith. Um, That's what the New Testament refers to him as. That's certainly our viewpoint of Abraham. And the promise that was given to Abraham that ultimately Messiah fulfills. Abraham is, is a great person in our uh, story, in, in the story of Messiah. But understand that the mess begins right there, okay? The, mess, the messiness in Jesus' genealogy certainly uh, would be reflected in Abraham's life. You know, Abraham and Sarah had this promise given to them that they were, their descendants were going to be like the stars in the sky, like the sands on the sea. But they were well into their 90s. Um, before Isaac, who would begin the fulfillment of that, was born. That promise had been given, and, and Abraham and, and Sarah both are, are, are stressing about the fulfillment of this, so they step into things on their own, and Sarah hands off her servant girl, Hagar, to Abraham and says, let's, let's have a child through her, and that happens. And um, 
a son by the name of Ishmael is born. And then the fulfillment of Isaac happens after that. By then, Ishmael is a teenager. And so there's, there's tension happening. And the tension is so great that Sarah has Hagar and Ishmael sent away. And Abraham simply agrees to it. But sometimes our messes happen because we kind of step in, in the way and we, we try to force things to happen and, instead of really trusting God. And essentially, this is Abraham's story. Even though he's the father of faith, he's got pretty significant trust issues that, that allow him to really believe that God is going to pull things off. We see that from time to time. They have a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son, actually has a, a pair of twins, Esau and Jacob. We have serious drama with Esau and Jacob. When Esau and Jacob are, are grown, um, it, the time comes for uh, Esau, who was the firstborn, to receive the birthright and to receive a blessing as, as the oldest, the one who's going to receive the birthright. Well, Esau is not really a godly man whatsoever, and there's, a, there's an event that happens between Esau and Jacob where Jacob basically takes the birthright away from Esau. That's one viewpoint of it, but the truth is Esau just gives it away, trades it in for a bowl of soup. But the drama really unfolds between Jacob and his father Isaac. Isaac's wife, Rebekah, decides that Jacob, because he's her favorite, uh, deserves to receive the blessing, even though it was supposed to be given to Esau. So there's this story where, because I, uh, Isaac's eyesight basically has gone away, he's that old, he can't really see, they, they dress up Jacob to make him appear to be Esau. And he goes into his father's tent. Esau was real hairy, so they covered his arms with hair, and, and they made him look real, make him feel real hairy. And, and he goes in, and he essentially steals the blessing that was supposed to go to Esau. We got serious messiness inside of this genealogy, just one story after another after another. We get to Jacob's children. Jacob's children, this is where the 12 tribes of Israel come out of, and the Messiah comes through Judah, one of Jacob's sons. Judah and Tamar, as you notice, Tamar's name shows up. And um, I think if you go to the next screen, there, yeah, okay, whose mother was Tamar. This is, this is like a soap opera. So Tamar is actually Judah's daughter-in-law. So just take that in for a moment. Uh, she's married to one of Judah's sons. And before she's able to be pregnant, he dies. So the custom is that the next son in line steps up to the plate and... Um, helps the widow to become pregnant for the sake of the family line of the deceased brother. Well, the second son steps up to the plate. He dies before she's able to conceive. And the third son was like, I don't want to have any part of this. 
No part of this whatsoever. And this is the drama that unfolds in this family. And Judah doesn't do anything about it. He's like, you know what? I don't blame you, son. He's kind of like that. So Tamar, out of her desperation, um, sneaks away one day and dresses herself up as a prostitute. And Judah's walking along the road and sees this gal and they do their thing. And uh, she asks for something that belongs to him. And he gives it to her. And they part ways. And she becomes pregnant through this event. And when he finds out that his widowed daughter-in-law has become pregnant, he becomes irate. And bad things are about to happen to her. And she's like, hold on. I got something I want to show you. Pulls it out, and he realizes, this belongs to me. Oh, and the light bulb turns on. And the end of the story is is pretty fascinating because he's basically like, you know what? You are more righteous than I. Even though she had to scheme and manipulate and set up this whole awful thing. you You can see... The, the soap opera inside of this genealogy mess as you're even in, in, in the patriarch phase of things. I mean, and then you get to uh, Rahab, who was not even a Jew, but a prostitute in Jericho. But because of her bravery and her courage, um, she partners up with the Israelites and it helps overthrow uh, Jericho and they welcome her into the family, and she ends up marrying Salomon. And, um, and then you have Ruth and Boaz. Ruth is another non-Jewish member of Jesus' lineage. She's a Moabitess. But her mother-in-law, Naomi, um, they all, all of the men in this family die. Naomi's husband, and then Ruth's husband which was Naomi's son, and the other son. And, and um, or- Orpah is, is the other daughter-in-law. Or- and Naomi tries to send them away. We went through this story a, a couple months ago. Naomi tries to send the girls away back to their homes. You guys are young ladies. Um, go back and remarry and, and rebuild your lives. Ruth is like, no way. I'm sticking with you. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. I'm going to stick with you. And this Moabitess clings to her Jewish mother-in-law and follows her back to their home turf. And she ends up meeting up with Boaz, who is and becomes the kinsman redeemer of this family, which is a key phrase, kinsman redeemer. It's, It's along the same lines as as what Judah's son was supposed to do for Tamar. But there's, there's a redeeming factor that, that Boaz brings into this, uh, this family drama, this awful thing that has happened, to redeem Elimelech's family. Elimelech was, was Naomi's husband, that deceased. And so Boaz steps into that role just as he's supposed to, a godly man, and he marries Ruth, and, and the whole thing is redeemed. He's becomes the kinsman redeemer inside of this. 
So you, you see, some of this drama is like a roller coaster, bad stuff, and then you've got a, a, a Ruth and Boaz story where, where it's, it's great, and then you dive right back down into bad stuff like David and Bathsheba. Yeah, David is the great king of Israel, but he has this awful phase in his life where he just commits one sin after another, after another, after another. And it begins with um, sleeping with another man's wife. She becomes pregnant. And the other man is one of, his, one of his mighty men, Uriah the Hittite. Uriah the Hittite is doing what he's supposed to. He's out fighting the battles. David has decided to stay home. He should have been out there with his army, with his men. But no, he stayed home. And all of this sin unfolds with David and Bathsheba. David tries to manipulate the situation, but Uriah is too holy to do that and doesn't cooperate with David's little scheming. And so David ends up having to put him on the front line and Uriah the Hittite is killed. David then brings Bathsheba into the house and marries her. She has the baby, but the baby dies. And it's just awful drama, okay? But then there's this redeeming factor when she gives birth again to a son, and they name him Solomon. And Solomon is the next king in line, the one that inherits the throne. And Solomon really is kind of the pinnacle of, of Israel's kings, okay? The, uh, uh, the, the phase where Solomon is in place, the, the, the kingdom of Israel is, is at its height, it's at its best. But Solomon's got some problems you see, if you get yourself involved with a thousand women, you have some problems. Okay? 300 wives, 700 concubines. That's the numbers that we know about with Solomon. And that becomes his downfall because, and, and really, it, it, it's the beginning of Israel's downfall. Because what happens during that phase, all, all these different wives, all these different concubines, they bring in their, their worldliness into, into the, the kingdom. And, and what Israel begins to do, and this plagues them all the way through to the exile, is they begin to set up worship places up in the, in the high places, okay? And you're going to see this, this struggle, this battle, all the way through, in, in, including in in the lineage as, as we continue on with these other kings, okay? You're going to see, it, uh, as you read through it, you're, it's going to be referred to as, the, but he didn't tear down the high places. Oh, he tore down the high places. He rebuilt the high places. He didn't tear down the high places. You're going to see that. That all begins really in the time of Solomon because, because he allows all of this influence to come in. And he's like, okay with that, and he's okay with that, and he's okay with that, and, and Israel begins to spiral from here. Rehoboam, Solomon's son. This is where drama really unfolds. Rehoboam basically is the first king that really does evil. He's, he's, he's not a good king, and, and because of this, the kingdom splits. Israel and uh, splits in half, and now you have the kingdom of Judah and you have the kingdom of Israel, two kingdoms in place, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the kingdom of Judah is the one that it will, will include territorially, geographically, will include Jerusalem and worship in the temple. So that, that keeps 
the promise that was given to David that his kingdom would be forever, it keeps that intact, all right? So as we're working through this this mess of a genealogy, understand that now we're functioning inside of the kingdom of Judah, starting with Rehoboam. There's still Israelites in the other kingdom, but they've divided. And so when you're reading through 2 Kings or you're reading through 2 Chronicles, which they, they kind of go side by side, you're going to see two different kings functioning at the same time. There's a king over Israel, and then there'll be a king over Judah, and, and, and they, they, they overlap one another, okay? Does that make sense? So as you're reading through those passages, understand you're talking about a king, two different kingdoms all underneath the umbrella of what we would call Israel, even though one says king of Israel and one says king of Judah. We're functioning inside of the king of Judah as we continue on, and we get these really funky names, Abijah, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, Uzziah, Jotham, Shazam. I love that one. But look at the roller coaster here. Following Rehoboam, Abijah did evil like his father. Here we go down the roller coaster. And then you have Asa. He did good. He got rid of idolatry, except he did not get rid of the high places. Jehoshaphat also did good. See, we're going back up the hill again. Jehoram, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This is exactly how how it's described in Scripture as you're reading through these. Uzziah did good. And then you get to Hezekiah. And this is the one that I'd really like to linger on today, but let me, let me finish the, the path here. Hezekiah does, does the best of all the kings, and you're going to see why. And then his son Manasseh, like almost the worst of all the kings, just awful, rebuilt all the high places that Hezekiah tore down. Amon does evil. Josiah, during the days of Josiah, they, they rediscover uh, the law that had been lost for these generations leading up to that. So he reestablishes the covenant of Israel, which is good, <clears throat> but understand that, that the, the bad time is coming. And there's, even though he's turned things around for them, there's nothing they can do about it, and, and, and judgment is on its way. And you end with Jeconiah. And by the time Jeconiah is on the scene, that's when Babylon comes in and wipes out Jerusalem. But let's talk about Hezekiah. And so we're going to turn to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 30. 2 Chronicles chapter 30. Again, Hezekiah steps into the throne and things have been going pretty good. Okay, things things have been on an on Upward trajectory here for, for Israel. But the high places are still intact. So what, here's what that means. That means that there's these things inside of Israel that should not exist. And they are, they are, they are places that draw the Israelites to these places to worship. Where are the Israelites supposed to be worshiping? In the temple, right? There's one place that is designated for worship, but, but all these high places have been set up around the nation, and the kings have failed to tear these places down. 
So what it means is that Israel is not in the habit of gathering anymore. They haven't been gathering for Passover, Feast of Tabernacles, uh, Feast of Weeks, or, or Pentecost. They, they, haven't been, they haven't been coming together for these times where that's scripturally designated for them to come together in this single place of worship. Instead, their family units are going over here to this high place, or over here to this high place, or over here to this high place. Right? Not good. This is what things have been like. Then we get to the story of Hezekiah. Chapter 30 at verse 1 says this. Hezekiah sent word to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, inviting them to come to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. So the king of Judah has even sent an invitation across the boundary into the kingdom of Israel saying, all right, it's time for us to begin to gather again. So this year for Passover, I'm inviting everyone to come to the place just as was, has been designated. Let's do this. The king and his officials and the whole assembly in Jerusalem decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month. They had not been able to celebrate it at the regular time because not enough priests had consecrated themselves and the people had not assembled in Jerusalem. The plan seemed right, both to the king and to the whole assembly. They decided to send a proclamation throughout Israel from Beersheba to Dan, calling the people to come to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. It had not been celebrated in large numbers according to what was written. Skipping ahead to verse 22. Hezekiah spoke encouragingly to all the Levites who showed good understanding of the service of the Lord. So now the worship is happening. For the seven days they ate their assigned portion and offered fellowship offerings and praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors. The whole assembly then agreed to celebrate the, fest the festival seven more days. So for another seven days they celebrated joyfully. A huge celebration is unfolding. Hezekiah, king of Judah, provided a thousand bulls and seven thousand sheep and goats for the assembly, and the officials provided them with a thousand bulls and ten thousand sheep and goats. A great number of priests consecrated themselves. The entire assembly of Judah rejoiced, along with the priests and Levites and all who had assembled from Israel, including the foreigners who had come from Israel and also those who resided in Judah. There was great joy in Jerusalem. For since the days of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. Fathom that statement for a moment. Let me read it one more time. Since the days of Solomon, son of David, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. The priests and the Levites stood to bless the people, and God heard them, for their prayer reached heaven his holy dwelling place. And then look at the very first verse of the next chapter. When all this had ended, the Israelites who were there went out to the towns of Judah, check this out, smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. They destroyed the high places and the altars throughout Judah and Benjamin and Ephraim and Manasseh. After they had destroyed all of them, the Israelites returned to their own towns and to their own property. The key here, Hezekiah 
brings them together for just as they were supposed to have been doing all along. And when he brings them to that central worship place that, that, that was designated by Scripture, when they experience the gathering together and, and, and the joy that, that it, it existed in that time, their natural reaction as they went home is they begin to tear down the high places. These places that had existed all of these years, all of these generations going back to Rehoboam, leading them astray, tripping them up, causing them to even give up coming together. I don't know. You look through the messiness of Jesus' genealogy, and you see this roller coaster, right? From one generation to the next, the, the messiness all the way through. When Jesus shows up on the scene... I realize, I notice that, man, there's, there's so much drama in his background, I can connect. He, he gets me. He understands my roller coaster, my, my spiritual roller coaster, my emotional roller coaster, my relational roller coaster, he gets me. I love it that his genealogy includes foreigners, because guess what that means? He gets me. His genealogy doesn't just include Jews. It's got a smattering of Gentiles thrown in there as well, which makes me feel welcomed. He gets me. You see, Messiah has come. And he is our kinsman redeemer. Just as Boaz was the kinsman redeemer for Naomi and Ruth. And, and that train wreck happened in that little family unit. Jesus steps into this train wreck right here. And becomes my kinsman redeemer. The messiness of Messiah's lineage connects. It doesn't matter how bad your roller coaster ride has been, how wild of a ride it's been. It doesn't matter how far away from God you you feel like you have been. The truth is, Messiah has come. And he's died on a cross for you and I that we can be reconnected to our Creator. He has redeemed our train wrecks and made us whole again. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good thing. Okay, that, I said that was supposed to be funny. That's a really good thing, church. I don't know, is anybody in here excited about that? Does that matter to anybody? Okay, about four people, good. Well, hopefully the rest of us will, 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 will come on board with that. Um, I, I, I want to I, I close in prayer. I just want us together to thank 
God for sending us Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, and, and the fulfillment of all this messiness and how he can connect with us train wrecks here. So will you, will you join me in prayer over this? Father God, we, we thank you for the person of Jesus and how he has changed the world. He changed Israel and, and, and Judah, the, 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 the train wreck that, that, that was Israel and Judah at that time. And, and he has gone on to change the world, and that includes us. And we are the continuation of that amazing story, all of that fulfillment. Thank you, Jesus, for becoming our kinsman, Redeemer. Messiah, you are Messiah. You have come, and we honor you today for who you are, and we honor you today for what you have done. Will you stand with us? And let's just sing this chorus. You know it well. Jesus, Messiah. Name above. Name above all names. Blessed Redeemer. Amen.
truly the name above all names. Let's continue singing to the King of Kings. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe.
That's your testimony. We just say amen. 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 You may be seated. Bring this little Christmas tree over here. So about 18 years ago, America changed, didn't it? For those of you that remember, September 11th. 2001. We're just a few days away from the 18th anniversary. And those of us that can, we can reflect back to what America was like before 9-11. And we've seen dramatic changes in our country because of since 9-11. I think there were a few things that us average Americans really became aware of. Number one, we have enemies, mortal enemies, right? We became suddenly aware of the reality of those that just hate our country, hate what America stands for, and we we became dramatically aware of that. Because of 9-11 as well, it, it reinvigorated our Uh, military, and especially our appreciation for military, didn't it? We, um, because of the what we had to do as a result of 9-11. But the third thing that it did is it really made us aware, constantly aware of and appreciative of our first responders, who so many of them we're running into buildings that everybody else was running out of. And this is something that our first responders are trained to do. And they're doing it day in and day out when you and I are not even aware of it. That mortal danger is, is, a, is, a, is a norm for them. And one of the things that we wanted to do today was to thank our first responders. And I know some of them are here. It looks like our fire department has come. So um, if, if you are a first responder, whether you're in, in uniform or not today, w- would you do us a favor and just come and, and line up here? Whether you're a first responder in Teller County or in Park County or um, uh, in El Paso County, regardless, if you're first, would, would you just kind of come up here and line up? We want to say... Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We had invited all of the departments here, um, and some of them were not able to be here, or at least haven't been able to arrive yet. But uh, just speaking to these awesome men and women, I'm going to come around so 
they don't have to turn around and look at me. We want to say thank you. Um, you are a gift to us. Uh, you are a blessing to us. Um, you matter to us. And what you do day in and day out matters to us. And uh, we want to take the opportunity to say a huge thank you to you. And we also wanted you to know that we are committing to praying for you this year. And that's what this, this tree of names um, has some particular names from departments, and then it has um, some departments that couldn't turn in names. But what our church family is doing today is we're grabbing names off of that tree. We're going to take them to our refrigerators or bathroom mirrors or whatever, and we're going to be reminded daily uh, to be praying for you. And because in the heat of the moment, one thing I know you're going to need is, is the presence of God um, bringing protection and, and direction for you. So one more time, church family, can we say thank you to them? Yeah. Um, inside, inside these cards uh, are some things that uh, our children have made for you, but also there's a gift card in there for... Cafe Leo, so we want to say thanks a latte <laughs> for what you do, okay? And um, thanks for taking the time to come here today. Uh, you're invited to hang out as long as you possibly can. I know our kids are excited about hanging out on your trucks and stuff like that. Uh, we've got a picnic lunch that we're doing, uh, burgers and dogs. We're going to grill out and hang out, and we want to give everybody opportunity just to shake your hand and say thank you personally. So church family, uh, after I say a blessing over us, you're all invited to come up to the, the prayer tree here and grab a name or two off of there. Make sure you do that on your way out. Check out the small group booths as well. But let me just say a blessing over you, and I'm going to direct this to our first responders today, but I'm, you're, I'm saying it over you as well. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace and his power and surround you with his protection. Have an amazing week. God bless you all. See you next Sunday. Throw off the weight, let my heart run wild. Leave it behind as you take me high. I'm holding on to everything you've done. All that you